welcome back to Breaking Ground on iProperty Radio with myself, Carol Tallon. You can contact us on social media at iProperty Radio or email hello at iPropertyRadio.com. This week, I'm chatting to Rob Fox, CEO of Site Passport. Site Passport is a technology platform that provides main contractors with the right data and the right processes to make sure they select the right subcontractors, the ones that are the right fit um, for the wide and complex requirements of each project. Rob, you're very welcome. Thank you for joining us today. Yeah, no, thanks, Carl. It's great to be on the program with you today. Um, so, Rob, you come from a background in civil engineering and construction. How has that led into Site Passport? Yeah, no, great question, uh, Carol. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm a civil engineer originally, uh, trained as a civil engineer, uh, but I worked in main contracting with some of the largest contractors in, in Ireland and Australia for about 20 years. And uh, I suppose over that time, you know, I, I saw that there was a, one common problem in construction is, uh, you know, sourcing the right uh, supply chain, sourcing the right subcontractors. Um, and, you know, most people in construction would know that 85% of the value of a construction project is in the supply chain, in the subcontractors and suppliers. So if you get that bit right, uh, you know, the, you have a good chance of uh, having a successful project. So I, I felt there was a, a gap in the market to develop out a, a software solution, a technology solution that would help uh, whole, help main contractors with the process of, I suppose, finding and sourcing new subcontractors, getting to know them in a, in a kind of a digital way, uh, uh, finding out what their capabilities are, building a relationship with them because relationships are obviously key in, in construction. Um, and, and then, you know, getting to know the co contracts in a way that gave both parties the confidence that if they were going to work together on a project, that they were both likely to succeed on that project. The win-win is a difficult one to manage. I mean, you refer to uh, eight or eighty-five percent of the value being in the supply chain, but that when we look at value, then we're also looking at risk. And on the basis yes. of construction, the process of construction, the business of construction, is about de-risking. How much risk um, in in a project actually lies with across the supply chain? Yeah, again, I mean, I suppose you could say quite bluntly that, you know, 85% of risk lies across it, 85% of value, 85% of opportunity, and 85% of risk. And I suppose, you know, that is the, the purpose of our solution is to help, I suppose, main contractors get that balance. Um, because, you know, historically in construction, there has been a tendency to go for the lowest price, um, you know, that's, uh, you know, biased towards price rather than quality or technical or capabilities. So our solution helps main contractors make that balanced decision uh, to get that, you know, I suppose win-win um, because it is important that main contractors select subcontractors that are capable for the job, will complete the job to a standard and that they will make money. You know, if, if, if everybody isn't succeeding in making money, you know, that's a problem for everybody. So it is that fine balance of, as you say, getting that win-win. Um, but, you know, we believe with the right processes and the right information, you know, you have a much better uh, chance of, of being successful in that win-win proposition. And um, I know that you have uh, more than two decades of experience in the industry across Ireland and Australia, but uh, Site Passport is more than five years in operation now. Or have you seen or, or are you starting to see the consequences of this tendency towards going towards the lowest value or the lowest uh, priced provider? Yeah, I mean, it, it has improved, certainly over the, the 20 years that I was in construction has improved, and over the last five years it has improved. And some of that is driven by, you know, clients, uh, you know, particularly the more sophisticated construction clients out there, 
that are, you know, at the tendering stage when main contractors are tendering for business, you know, they are assigning 30, 40% of the, the marks to win a project to the, the technical and the quality side and maybe 60 or 70% of the price. So there still is a big weighting towards price, but it has improved. Um, I suppose for us, it's a question of, you know, getting the right information on, on the quality side and on the technical side to make sure that there's a, a fair and robust process um, you know, coming out of that, uh, you know, situation. So it has improved, but at the end of the day, you know, construction is like any other business. People have to make money and main contractors have to return a profit. And, you know, if they've, they've budgets and they've margins that have to hit. So it is very, very difficult to get that right. Um, but what we say is that, you know, very often main contractors don't have access to enough information to make that decision. So the default is, well, we go to, you know, maybe the lowest price or somebody we've used before and, and they have a good price and there's a kind of a temptation to go for those companies. And we're going to say, well, hang on, just before you make that decision, you know, use a little bit more information, a bit more data, slightly better process to be able to actually, you know, rank the, the, the companies in relation to the balance between their price and their, uh, their capabilities. And sometimes contractors are surprised, you know, the answer that comes out of that. Uh, they might have thought this company was the best fit but when they actually use our system, they kind of go, actually, hang on, this company is actually looks like a better fit. Um, you used a term there that isn't one that I was used to hearing in the construction industry, but increasingly over the last few years, I'm hearing top top tier, like tier one contractors using it. And that's referring to sophisticated clients. So what does that mean in the construction market today? Like there's, you know, we've, we always talk about the difference in tiers um, of the main contractors. But actually, there's quite a difference in tiers of clients as well. So what is a sophisticated client in the construction market? Yeah, no, that's a great question, uh, Carol. And I suppose for me, a sophisticated uh, construction client is probably usually a client that has been engaged or has engaged in multiple construction projects. So they themselves as a company have learned the process construction of what goes wrong. And so through that learning and through that kind of repeat, repeated process, they just become naturally more sophisticated. They tend to then have their own in-house construction people or certainly cost consultant type people. So just as a company, they are more, they have more experience within the company. Uh, they have more people that are, have that experience within the company. And, and that's a good thing in, in lots of ways because in a, you know, a, a sophisticated client might be more demanding, but generally they know what they want and you know, they know what they want more earlier on in the process. Um, you know, other type of clients who, if they're doing a construction project, might be their, their first time out doing a construction project with a design team and a construction company, and their expectations about how it works or their understanding how it works can be completely different. And they're learning, you know, as they go through this first project, and very often that's a very painful experience. You know, I liken it to, you know, most people on, on a domestic level will probably only build a house or renovate the house once. And most people will tell you that that's a painful experience. It, it, you know, just because lack of knowledge and experience about the whole thing. If they do it the second time, which they probably wouldn't, but to do it the second time, they'd understand it better. So that, that's where, how I would describe a sophisticated client. They just have more experience and understanding of the construction process. So when you have an experienced client with an experienced main contractor, how, uh, for, for repeat business, because obviously, we, you know, we've discussed challenges across our uh, procurement and across our current bidding and tender system. How important are relationships for driving new business, even where it's repeat business? 
Yeah, listen, you know, relationships are, are, are massive. You know, everything comes down to trust in, in lots of industries, but particularly in construction where there's very often so many unknowns and so many variables, you know, and even the, you know, the, with the best intentions and the best experience, it's very hard to box off all the unknowns and all the, the risk in the construction project. Um, but, uh, you know, certainly what we see between clients and main contractors and also then between main contractors, subcontractors is, uh, you know, is that trust and that trust is built out of, again, having an understanding and experience of each other and maybe where the, the strengths and weaknesses lie. And, you know, you, you can manage those strengths and weaknesses uh, as a team. Um, and, you know, that's really important. But, but that's not to say that, you know, new relationships can't be formed because, you know, it's important for everybody that things are freshened up because, you know, things can stagnate in relationships and relationships can, you know, sometimes not work out. And, you know, so it's what we see more and more with the subcontractors and also with main contractors is people understand the need to diversify, you know, that it's good to have repeat clients and have a close relationship with clients, but it's also good to bring in new clients or, you know, whether you're a subcontractor or main contractor and this freshens it up. And, and the, the danger, though, I suppose, a lot of time for, I think particularly for main contractors is when they're building those new relationships is that because they're putting so much you know, they're, they're, they're so reliant on the subcontractors to build a job for them, essentially, and, and they're putting so much trust in them. It's hard to trust a company or people that you don't know. And so that's why people very often will just default back to, well, we'll use the company you used before. And that sometimes works out perfectly. And sometimes that's a disaster because the previous job might have been a, you know, a university and the next job might be a data center. So what we believe that trust is built for us, you know, and trust is built on, knowledge and even if you haven't worked with a company before you know if you can gather enough knowledge about that company and, and get enough data about that company uh, you then start to build that trust in a way you know that actually makes sense and um, you know you don't have to know somebody uh, you, you know if we can't all keep doing business with each other you know you have to start some stage to do business with you companies and it's just about taking that leap of faith requires having a little extra information which is where we come in yeah, and I suppose a lot of this comes back to the maturity of the supply chain in Ireland and the robustness of it. Um, and if if main contractors don't provide for a win-win situation, then the construction chain in Ireland can't become as robust financially and experience-wise as it needs to. So where does Site Passport come in? Yeah, so I suppose we would describe ourselves as a, as a source-to-contract uh, platform. And essentially we provide a, a full range of services from helping main contractors source new supply chain. Um, you know, it's a bit like a, a, a some degrees, some people call it like a, it's like a dating uh, website in that, you know, people exchange information about themselves that maybe don't know each other that well already. And through that exchange of information, it starts to become clear. Well, you know, as a main contractor, these are the subcontractors that I didn't know before that I'm getting to know and I'm starting to build up some sort of trust and relationship and rapport with them. And then there'll be other companies who say, well, actually, you know, they look like they were good fit, but they weren't. So there's this process of, of introducing main contractors to new subcontractors, but help them get to know each other and both sides of the equation get to know each other. And then, you know, there's a point where, okay, this is just a, a process of saying, okay, well, you know, main contractor might say, subcontractor, we know you well enough now, will you price this job for us? And that might be a smaller job because again, they don't want to give it a big job straight away, but they can manage all that through site passport, through our tender and procurement systems. And again, that's just a, a, also a way of standardizing the interaction for the supply chain. Because when we talk to subcontractors a lot, they get frustrated that even within the one company, 
the way they're dealt with and the way they're communicated with can can vary greatly. So you know, they like the consistency that CyPassport brings in relation to managing that relationship. And a lot of it is you know around pricing and providing not very exciting information around insurances that everybody has to do, but it streamlines it for both sides of the equation just to make it a little less painful to get through that process um, and ultimately to make sure that at the end of that process, both the main contractor and the subcontractor know what they're getting into. They're both satisfied that they're going to be a good um, partners for each other and that they have a good chance of succeeding together because that's what it's all about. And Rob, I, I'm so conscious, and we covered a lot of the show, but right now, construction is being hit from all sides. So whether it's down to project viability, uh, whether it's labor shortages, uh, material shortages, inflation, it's, it seems to be one thing after the other. How, how can a main contractor bring in new supply chain during such a, a time of uncertainty? Yeah, I mean, I, I suppose a lot of that is born out of necessity. I mean, you know, if your current supply chain are supplying everything that you need when you need it for the price you need it, well, you, you know, you probably don't have a problem. But there's very few contractors, you know, could say that. So they're having to go outside their comfort zone out of necessity. And, you know, that is, you know, a discomfort for a lot of companies. But what they're realizing is actually, you know, there is a bigger, broader supply chain out there that we could be doing business with. And, you know, maybe some of those companies, you know, have capacity or, you know, have materials available or, you know, have that they themselves have have figured out their own supply chain further down the line. That means that you know now that they are a good option, both from a price and a delivery perspective. And you know, so it's just giving people access to that broader supply chain, whether it's subcontractors in Ireland or suppliers abroad. It's you know, it's all about having options. Um, but you know, there are a lot of options out there. So what we try and help main contractors with is finding out which of those options are the best fit for them as quickly as possible. In terms of, I, I mean, I touched on it earlier, just about the maturity of the supply chain. Uh, innovation across the industry is moving quickly. So whether we're going from uh, BIM to uh, ESG-driven ESG um, metrics that require technology, you know, and particularly our, our um, sustainability is nowhere near where it needs to be across Irish construction. Um, and obviously there's an element of leading from the front by main contractors and, and the state being one of the biggest buyers in the country. But across yes. the supply chain, how ready is Ireland's supply chain for, how, how, for this shift that's happening towards sustainability and the need um, for a more digitised approach? Yeah, I mean, I, I think if you take of all those elements, you take ESG, I mean, digitalization is, is, is happening and BIM is happening. And, you know, lots of contracts would say to us, you know, BIM is a really a small part of our lives. It's not the be all and end all that people kind of make it out to be. And, uh, you know, they participate in the BIM world because they have to, but they don't, a lot of them don't often see huge benefits of, of, of the BIM world. I think there are huge benefits in BIM when BIM itself really matures into being what it could be, which is this central intelligence that is everything you need to know about the, about the construction project, but it's still getting there. But if you take example of ESG, which I think is, you know, is obviously a massive, uh, you know, area in every industry, but particularly in construction, you know, I, I think the demand is for ESG, you know, evidence, if you want to call that, or information is, is starting to come from, again, some of the more sophisticated uh, clients. Um, and I think, you know, at the moment, it, there's still a little bit of window dressing around ESG. 
I think, you know, because it's such a difficult nut to crack, people are still accepting, well, that if a company has some accreditation or a product has some sort of accreditation, that that nearly takes the box and gets them, gets them to pass on the ESG. We all know that's not going to, that's not sustainable in itself. You know, like that's, you know, people have to be able to measure the impact. And again, it comes down to data. Um, and, you know, the data really in construction comes from the construction materials and products that are used and where they come from. And there are some companies that I've met at events in, in, in the UK and, and different countries and in Ireland where they're really geared up, you know, they have all their data, they would be able to, you know, upload it into a system that would calculate exactly what the impact is and what the carbon might be. And it's just that, you know, there, there is no central system to put this into. So there's lots of people building ESG systems, but a bit like lots of things, these systems aren't going to talk to each other. Um, so that's going to be a challenge. Um, but I suppose what, one thing we're working on at the moment, Carol, is, you know, this is a journey. No matter how quickly the whole sustainability environmental, you know, world needs to move, it is only going to move so quickly um, and only can move so quickly. And I suppose for us, you know, it's a question of, you know, clients bringing main contractors on the journey and main contractors bring the supply chain on that journey. And some of that is, go back to your point, is, is trying to understand. We're working with a couple of clients trying to help them understand who in the supply chain is in the tier one of the ESG world and who's here and who's here. And then if my client is, you know, a tier one client needs all this information, there's no point talking to these guys down here. These are the guys I have to go to. They're dangerous. These guys might be more expensive and there might be bigger demand, but you've got to know who in the market is ESG ready. And, um, you know, that's a process of asking questions to get that answer. It occurs to me then that a very similar situation would arise around offsite and other uh, modern methods of construction where we've seen the supply chain essentially being acquired um, by principally main main clients. So where does that leave, you know, at a time when the construction industry has recognized the need to change is being not just supported, but really this is being promoted by the state for the first time, while it might be many years too late, it is actually being supported, this move to um, a move away from maybe traditional construction or at least uh, introducing and, and giving, giving, I suppose, the, the supports needed to invest in offsite and other modern methods of construction. But the reality is for main contractors to be able to jump in they need a supply chain. So that's almost like build it from the ground up, which is difficult when the early adopters have essentially acquired, I don't want to use the word cannibalized, but they have acquired <laughs> uh, the supply chain. Ireland is, is only a certain size. We will only be able to support so many manufacturers on the island. Are, are, like, is, this, is this going to cause limitations for the MMC supply chain? Yeah, you know, potentially it is, you know, if, if, if the, some of the bigger players are able to, uh, you know, suck up all of the capacity by acquisition or otherwise, uh, you know, that definitely presents a problem. Um, but I suppose, you know, there is only, it's, for us, it's about the overall capacity within the country and within the world. There is only so much capacity, you know, out there, obviously. And I, I think, you know, the one thing about construction is, and the construction industry, when it needs to be, it can be very, very innovative. You know, at times it can be a little bit slow, but when the when push comes to shove, you know, it's incredible what construction companies can do. I saw it myself when I was in construction, you know, you think these projects are so complicated and they're never going to get finished. And 
everybody rolls together, everybody pulls out all the stops and does what they need to do and they make it happen. So the construction industry is very good at making things happen. Um, it's just that it is a, there is a support network needed, uh, you know, as you say, both from the government, but I, I think, you know, this self-reliance or this, you know, reliance that everybody has on your construction is becoming more and more, uh, you know, concrete. And, you know, I think that the industry and the main players in the industry are all the big contract industry, you know, probably need to look at it and say, well, you know, this can't be a zero sum game, you know, you know, because I, I don't want to have to win. I don't want to have to you to lose for me to win. And there's always a bit of that in every industry, but that's not sustainable within construction. There's only so many products out there and materials, but there's only so many resources. And unless those resources get used in a, in a more planned and smarter way, uh, you know, things are only going to disimprove. And, and that's one of the great things about offsite construction is that, it, you know, it is more efficient, you know, and then construction sites become more efficient and, you know, you're dropping in units that require less labor on site um, and, you know, automation and robotics and all that will come more and more into play. But as you said, like, that's a huge investment and that's going to take a long time. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens in, in the next five, even the 10 years as that plays out, because it's going to take five or 10 years to get to a stage where, you know, you have an automated construction site. Yeah, that, that doesn't seem like that far into the future but look I, I absolutely agree with you I think Ireland's construction industry is absolutely very good at making things happen you know we've particularly seen it in the last two years and to be fair site passport is very good at making things happen there's been an exciting announcement for the company yes yes Carol it has indeed yeah we were we've been raising some investments in, in 2022 and uh, we've been very successful with that and uh, we've worked with very close with Enterprise Ireland who have been a great support to us over the years as well um, and with that, we will be uh, launching our services in the UK and in other European countries. Uh, we see a huge demand for our services. So, yeah, no, it's very exciting. And uh, we're looking forward to growing our team and growing our client base and spreading our wings out across, the, across Europe. Uh, well done. Congratulations to the whole team, because, I, you know, it's tempting when you see these uh, funding announcements to position uh, a company as a startup, whereas you're established five years, this is part of the scaling process. Yes. Uh, and certainly I think that you, you will likely find what many of our clients and particularly contractors who, are, who operate in the Irish and the UK market, you know, they report back that the supply chain there is a much more mature one. So therefore the opportunities are much greater um, yes. and there's a much fairer approach. So in fact, it's probably easier to uh, to secure a win-win situation. So it sounds yes. maybe the, the UK market is exactly a good fit for site passport. So congratulations. I think this is a, a fantastic achievement and I look forward to seeing what you and the team do uh, over, the next, uh, over the next coming months. Um, and we hope to touch base with you again when you when you've dipped your toe in the UK market and yeah. you're in a position to report back. Yeah, no, great. Thanks, Carol. Uh, thanks for that. And uh, thanks for having me on today. I really enjoyed that. Uh, I'm, I'm delighted. It was great to learn more about what yourself and the team at Site Passport do. So that was Rob Fox, CEO of Site Passport. And um, we need to take a quick break. Stay tuned. <laughs>